0: Hey guys, welcome to The Health Addict Show. Before we get started, though, I wanna cover a couple things. This show is for entertainment purposes only, meaning I am not your doctor. So if you have questions or concerns about your own health, please ask a physician, okay? Get the right information for you. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What is up everybody? I'm Tommy J and welcome to The Health Addict Show. I got a really good episode today because it's one of the most popular subjects and probably one of the most talked about things you'll learn ever in school because it is very important to understand and many people come into the ER and other facilities complaining of it and that is chest pain. I think most of us have experienced some form of chest pain, whether it's a sprain, strain, injury, or other cardiomyopathic diseases, but for the most part, the general consensus is of chest pain is myocardial infarction. Now, whether someone's experienced chest pain in the form of angina because of this is a question of the day, because most people actually only suffer about 3% from chest pain is due to myocardial infarction. And that's a significant figure, right? Because that means 97% of what you're going to be treating a patient for in chest pain has nothing to do with myocardial infarction. So you really need to expand your scope here and really think about the patient. And there's a great way to do this. And I'm going to explain it to you. And the way I'm gonna teach you today, it comes from Online Med ED. It's Dr. Williams' approach to chest pain. And you learn a lot of things in school, but no other way has been better taught than this way, I believe. Because it's a very linear approach, right? And for people who really understand chest pain, it's a very large scope, it's a quantum thing. So your brain branches off in many directions. And you have to really think of a linear approach when it comes to this. Because that way you can eliminate things and tests that you don't have to do and really focus on your patient and get to the diagnosis quicker, because we all know quicker diagnosis equals better treatment. So this talk today is gonna be the more brief version. I might focus on other things that Dr. Williams didn't, but I will post his video on my um, social media so that you may follow it and see it for yourself. Because if you're in med school, if you're a nurse, if you're a respiratory therapist, a pharmacy tech, pharmacist, and really thinking about treatment of chest pain, this is a very fantastic approach. So when we think about diagnosing chest pain, we need to think of it in a linear production. And this is done thinking of an arrow or a bullet going through the chest. We're going to go through layer by layer of the chest until we get to the main area. And if we haven't solved it by doing it this way, then we might need to think outside of the box. But this linear approach really goes through the steps in diagnosing chest pain. And the first stop is skin. And I already know some of you are thinking like, okay, this is really obvious approach if you're going to start with skin. But hang with me, because this is really important. You have to think first physically. Look at your patient on the skin. Is there any noticeable lacerations, new burns? Is there any bug bites that look as if they're getting infected that could continue to subq? And also, you really need to think about herpes. And you're like, why do you want to think about herpes? And this one is kind of tricky to me too, but you have to think about herpes zosters. And this is coming from shingles. So if your pain is having or experiencing pain, burning, numbness, or tingling, without the rash, it could be really sensitive to touch. This could be the early predecessor to shingles. So still on skin, but we're moving more sub-Q now. We're thinking of cellulitis and abscesses that are forming on the skin. This is still something you can visually see on a physical exam. So still physically looking at your patient instead of just thinking of numbers and a patient in your record book. Look at your patient and actually physically see if something is hurting there. So after your visual actual exam, you might wanna focus on muscle skeletal, which could include sprains, strains, fractures, or costochondritis. Now this isn't something you see on a visual examination, but you're gonna notice it on physical examination when you touch it, is it tender to the touch, is it hurt with movement, inhalation, exhalation. I mean, unless the patient has an open chest fracture, you're really not gonna notice it right away. So you need to actually physically palpate and touch your patient to see if they're having pain here. Of course, if they had a recent fall or injury, that would be the best reason to understand what's going on. And for those who don't know what costal chondritis is, it's actually inflammation of the cartilage in between the rib bones. So this can happen from injury, could be physical strain. If you have an autoimmune disease, could be from arthritis, infections, or tumors. But the point is it does feel like chest pain and almost like a myocardial infarction when you do have this. So it's important to understand when your patient takes a big deep breath in and it hurts, you're already eliminating MI and maybe it's more towards the route of costochondritis. All right. So we've eliminated the skin and we've eliminated the subcutaneous area. We've also eliminated muscular and skeletal zones. Now we really need to think about inside the lung. And the first stop is the pleura. Because remember, your lungs actually don't feel pain. They can be irritated, but they don't feel pain. It's your pleura that actually feels pain. So when a patient has pain that isn't exactly palpable, doesn't hurt to the touch, but they'll have pain on inhalation exhalation, this is where you start thinking of the pleural space. Because you can have physical inflammation in the pleura, which is pleurisy. You can have pneumonia. You can have pneumothorax. You can have a PE or pulmonary embolism or cancer. So remember, if your patient is having a sharp, stabbing, burning chest pain with inhaling and exhaling, then it's probably a good idea to check for pleuritic pain, especially if they're having pain from breathing, coughing, sneezing, sometimes laughter too, so they hurt from laughing. This is a good idea to start here. All right, now moving past the lungs, we run into the pericardium, and now we stop at pericarditis. All right, pericarditis is probably one of the hardest ones to diagnose, in my opinion. It's one of those areas that just isn't readily available and can be misdiagnosed through other means, especially since it's very relatable to the pleuritic pains that you might see, but one of the biggest changes is if a patient has less discomfort when sitting up or different positions, this might be more related to your heart. But another thing is if you swallow, since the pericardium is right next to the esophagus and trachea, you might actually have some pain from this. So that could be another warning sign of pericarditis. But another idea would be if you did an auscultation and you listen to the heart, you might hear a pericardial rub. This is another big warning sign. And it's very important to treat pericarditis because you might have actual pericardial fluid building up and you don't want to have a patient have cardiac tamponade because then you'll be in a whole other situation and that is very dangerous. So remember, the pericarditis it's more positional that makes the difference between palertic pain all right now we're finally to the heart okay so when we think of the heart this is where we start thinking actual myocardial infarction whether it's stable and non-stable if it's a STEMI or a non-STEMI this is where we really start thinking about whether the patient's having an MI so that's why we always when we have chest pain it's always a good idea to get your 12 lead to get your chest x-ray and then get your troponin levels on your labs these three indicators will really quickly diagnose if your patient is having an MI. And then finally, with the heart, you might also have myositis, actual inflammation of the heart. And this could come from viral bacterial or fungal infections or other kind of injuries that may happen to the heart. But remember, this is super important to understand. Remember, 3% of all chest pain comes actually from myocardial infarction. Yes, this is the part where it will kill somebody. Yes, this is the dangerous one. Yes, this is where you should quickly diagnose a patient if they're having an MI. But that's why we get the lab test, that's why we get the EKG, that's why we get the chest x-ray, so we can rule the MI out. And then once you've ruled it out, you really need to start expanding your scope here. Alrighty, now we move past the heart. Now we're actually more internally, and we're actually to the trache and the esophagus. These are two important areas to understand. Because, I mean, one's an airway, and one's a pathway for food. And what do we do all day? We breathe and we eat. So these are two important pathways to understand. And one reason that relates to both is GERD. Now, GERD is gastroesophageal reflux disease, and you can reflux into your trach and aspirate too while you sleep. And this kind of inflammation that causes esophagitis and trachitis is also another reason why you need to really think about other systems in your body, because that could cause pain. Now, if you have a patient that's been complaining of heartburn for a long time with a history of this, this is something you should consider right off the bat. But another route, too, is if a patient had a recent injury fall, then you might want to consider esophageal perf or a tracheal perf. And finally, now we're to the aorta. We've gone through a lot of systems to get here, but this is a really important one, right? Because this is life or death now. We're at the aorta if this is really where we're at because it's a major artery. And if blood volume is lost here, whoo, you never seen how fast you can lose somebody with a perf aorta. And outside the realm of perforation or dissection, you also have an aneurysm, which is actual stretching of the aorta. And and we've seen aneurysm in other areas. But again, this is a super dangerous situation. This usually happens after someone's overexerted themselves, picks up something heavy that they shouldn't. And this actually puts a lot of stress on the aorta. We've also seen this in car or other traumas that could happen, a vehicular accident. So um, this is something to really consider. And you can also see this with chest x-ray. You can also, I mean, your blood pressure is gonna drop pretty fast too. Um, You can see it with a CT, and you can also see it with other labs. So as you can see, there is a lot of reasons for someone to have chest pain outside even an MI. So you really need to look at your patient in a linear motion to really consider everything, the big picture of your patient to get a better diagnosis. Now, there are some ways to better do this, and we've kind of talked about it already. We talked about chest x-ray. And we talked about the 12-lead EKG to really look at the heart and see its rhythm, and we talked about troponins to see if there's cellular death specific to the heart. Now, there's other things to consider, and there's easy ways to get there. And one of the first things to think about is your diamond Forester chest pain prediction scale or rule, and it's really based on three criteria. And it goes through: Is it substernal chest pain? Is it worse on exertion? And is the chest pain relieved by rest or with nitro? So thinking this through even more, is the pain directly underneath your breastbone? Is there any worse chest pain with getting up, moving around, doing your daily activities? And is there relief when you actually stop moving around, when you're not exerting yourself? Or if in case you had recent MIs and taken nitroglycerin, does it get relief with the nitro that you have prescribed? I mean, these are pretty blatantly obvious. So if you get any positives on this with this exam, you should automatically rest right there, order your 12-lead EKG and get some troponins because you really want to rule out that MI as fast as possible. If you have a person that's having trouble breathing, especially with exertion, having um, a substernal pain and is relieved by nitro. However, if you don't have a lot of positives on this scale, then you go back to your physical examination. If it's tender, if you're looking at pleurite pain, or if it's positional, this will really dive into the other areas. So that is pretty much the basics to chest pain. This is how you should really look at any person that is having chest pain because it's a big, big area. I mean, you're talking about multi organs working within the system, so you can't just focus all on the heart. Now you need to really rule out the heart, but you can't focus just on the heart when it comes to chest pain. All right, healthcare practitioners, I hope this really helps you break down chest pain. I hope it really gets you down to where you really need to start focusing on chest pain because it really will get you there faster in your diagnosis in your patient. Now, if you want more information information on chest pain, I would highly suggest Dr. Williams's videos on Online MD or Online Med ED because he gives a lot of other good videos on this information honestly I've watched probably all of them myself because they are that good but if you have questions concerns comments about the show please message me I would love to hear back from you and we'll talk more about chest pain please stay tuned to more episodes coming out this week and please follow the podcast on social media and you'll find out more information on other subjects that we talk about on there stay addicted to your health and I will see you all next time have a great day